Welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. I'm Kelly. And I'm Karen. We are a mother-daughter duo of mediums, medical intuitives, psychics, and energy healers offering personal sessions to clients all over the world. And this is our podcast. Coffee with the Sarlows is a platform to share the remarkable experiences of our clients and the messages that are channeled for them from the spirit world. These stories will make you laugh, some will make you cry, and some are certain to be an absolute butt-kicking with love. Our intent for this podcast is to gently and kindly challenge your beliefs, grow your empathy, and help you find pieces of your own self in each one of these individual stories. Before we jump into today's show, we have a few notes for our listeners. Karen and I have personal practices channeling for local and international clients. If the stories in these shows is something you'd like to experience, you can request your own personal session through our website, bysarlo.com. We also have gift certificates available if you wish to gift this experience to someone anywhere in the world. We have a second podcast series called Sips of Sanity. This series is your emotional and intuitive intelligence toolkit. We pick one topic every month and provide you with healthy tools for critical thinking and communication. This series airs the first week of every month. The first show is free and can be found on our website, your favorite podcast platform, or YouTube. The full series can be found on patreon.com forward slash by Sarlo. Patreon is our membership portal with a ton of monthly benefits for those of you seeking to grow your emotional and intuitive intelligence. Karen has a personal blog that explores the beauty and importance of intuitive gifts. There's a question and answer segment that addresses listeners' questions. As we mentioned, you can find the complete Sips of Sanity series here, along with handy habit trackers and great reflective questions to help you get the most from the shows. We provide you with guided journeys and music to enrich that experience, and we're running an emotionally intelligent, interactive book club. And for patrons in our top tier, each month we're putting your names into a draw for a free half-hour channeling session with Karen or myself. If you're interested in joining us, head over to patreon.com forward slash by Sarlo. Now, on to the show. Good morning, Kelly. How are you today? Good morning, Karen. I'm excited. We've been telling people we're rebranding and it's in the process. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't know how much longer we're going to be saying good morning and welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. Yeah, or good morning, Kelly. How are you? We it, might be starting with a, with a brand new fresh start yeah. to each show. It'll be the end of an era, to quote friends. <laughs> I look forward to that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do. I think change is fun and exciting. Yeah. And I and I hope that our listeners sit there and look forward to it as much as we do. Yeah. We are definitely sniff and scurry when it comes to change. You got her. Okay. I need a mail for today's show, please. Sure. I'm going to choose the name Mikhail. Mikhail. Okay. Thank you. Um, this is a client who calls and asks one simple question at the very beginning of his session. He says, Um, What do you get around career for me? Just go open. That's it. He says, but I do have a couple of questions. Let's see what you get first. So I said, okay. Went to the guides and I said, what what do you guys want to do? And they said, oh, we have lots. Okay, so how how is this going to go down? And they said, well, we're going to give you all the information in a chunk and then you can present it to him. Instead of saying things word for word, each sentence, as sometimes that goes in a session, right? Mm-hmm. And they said, we're just going to tell you some things first. You have to listen. The very first thing the guide said to me is, he has a pattern of doing this. 
of being ambiguous. He does this in all of his relationships, and it's his pattern of, if I'm ambiguous, then I can kind of wait things out and see what I can get out of it. It's not healthy. It's one of his patterns. And I said, well, wait, does this have to do with career? And they said, absolutely, that's what we're doing, career. He does this at work all the time. The guides do tell me that he is very smart and that he doesn't need to be ambiguous at all, that he is capable with enough intellectual intelligence to be more clear in his job um, and to take more initiative, and that he absolutely can. He chooses not to. So I said, okay, and what do you want me to say about that? Just all of that? And they said one more thing. His coworkers and his boss know that he is ambiguous. They know that this is a pattern. This has been discussed. So I thought, wow, he said, go open. I hope this is going to help him in some way, because that's a lot of information. So I told him that, and his response was, Jesus. And then we just sat there for a while and looked at each other. And I waited for him to create some kind of direction or comment. And then the guides uh, just laughed. Mm -hmm. And they looked at me like, are you kidding me? We told you he's ambiguous. He's just waiting it out. (laughs) And that he's playing out his patterns with you and with us. Even after acknowledging with the word Jesus, that's me, basically. Yes. So here they are having a good laugh over it on the other side watching him do it to them. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting here. Twice. Yes. (laughs) I'm looking at him like, okay, are you kidding me? Like, I just confronted you about this and you're doing it? Like, what the hell? So I said to him, what do you want to do with this? And he's not answering. So the guides say, look, why don't you ask him the question, do you want help fixing this? Or do you want to continue your pattern of denial? So I did. I asked it because they said to. And he again just looks at me stunned. His next question then is, well, Karen, if I deny it, what will happen? So I said, I really don't know. I will ask the spirit guys what will happen. And the spirit guide said to me, he will get fired. That there are consequences. Finally, tell him that. Say those words. You will get fired. Consequences. Finally. So I did. I said it exactly the way they told me. And he says to me, life sucks. Then the guides tell me that he's going into his victim role and that this is also part of the pattern. Once he hits victim, Kelly, he's going to stay in that for a while and he's going to just demonstrate unhealthy behaviors in the victim role. So the guides say that he will then try to shame the coworkers and his boss so that he doesn't lose his job. So he just... He has all of these tactics ready. He knows exactly what he's going to do. He's just waiting. So if they're going to try and fire me, 
I'm going to come back and I'm going to try and shame my boss and my coworkers so I don't get fired. He doesn't actually think of any other options, which I find really interesting as a person listening to all of this, but it's not my place to say anything. So I have to just relay that message to to him so that he and his guides can work something out together. I asked his guides if he is stressed by this. Does he like this? Like, what happens when a person is in this type of unhealthy behavior of, let's go into ambiguity, and then when I'm confronted with it, let's attack the other person and make them feel so much shame that they don't actually do what could actually be healthy in this situation. He wants to use shame to keep people in their unhealthiest behaviors because he's in his unhealthiest behavior. And he knows that when both of them are, he feels that he can win the game because he's most unhealthy. It's like he's winning the prize for most unhealthy person. It's crazy. But I guess that's the way that patterns work for anybody, right? Mm -hmm. We're not always totally aware of what we're doing and how our behavior can keep someone else stuck in their own. So I gave him all that information and then we had a little change in our conversation. And he said, "Um, I think I would like to ask a question now. What's going on with my coworkers and my boss? And the guides came back and said, this is super interesting. We're glad he's asked. So his coworkers have each on their own become so unhappy that they have figured out that they can't stay there. So it's either come together and try and work this out as a team and see what what can happen if they do that. And if they approach the boss and say, look it, we all want to stay here. It's either him or us. So you're either going to fire one person or you're going to fire a whole group of us. And we're okay with that because we're not willing to stay here till our retirement days with this type of atmosphere if you're not going to handle this differently. And they have gone to YouTube, they've gone to books, they've gone to a variety of things to get their own education. And they've come together socially, um, away from work environments to discuss what's going on and have become friends. But in the process, they've increased their own emotional intelligence. They, they've shared with each other, this is the behavior that he's doing. This is why he's doing it. This is how he manipulates us against each other when he's, when he's behaving this way. So for an example, if the boss comes up and asks him to do something and he doesn't really give a solid yes or no answer, um, then the boss will go up to two or three other people and say, can you get this done? And as a result of that, um, they think, well, am I supposed to do this? But the boss will give it to two or three people. So once they find out that a couple of them are doing his job, they go up to each other and go, why are we all being asked to do this? And they've decided, nah, they're not going to do it. And they're going to approach the boss and say, this is his job, not ours. So why are you not approaching him and dealing directly with him? This is not okay. This is unhealthy. And if you don't know how to approach him, then you either need to get the skills to be able to do it, or you need to hire somebody else to come in and do it for your company. And the boss has decided that he's going to do his work 
to figure this out, to clean this up. He doesn't want to lose all of his staff. He's willing to lose him. He's willing to lose the cl- my client in terms of it's easier to lose you because now I'm starting to see that you are actually the problem. And I think that's a really good thing for him to finally hear, right? Like It's, it's amazing. So his coworkers and his boss have finally all gotten on the same page. They're educating themselves. They're communicating better. They're identifying what their roles and jobs are better. He's actually had a really good effect on the company in a backhanded kind of way because he has pointed out all of the holes and all of the, all of the weaknesses of the communication style of the management mm-hmm. and the coworkers. And he's put the coworkers on the same team. They approach the boss. Now they're on the same team. He's actually made this place a better place because of his behavior. But he's the cancer, so to speak. So they're going to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. And the spirit guides told me to tell him that and to say it in that kind of way so that he could understand it. And I thought, do I call him a cancer? Why not? I- exactly. And they said, you do, because he needs to understand it. He's going to be able to wrap his head around the idea of what a cancer is. A cancer is something you have to get rid of mm-hmm. at all costs, or the organism dies. Yep. Or in this example, the organization dies. Or functions sick. You got it. So all of that information is given to him. So Kelly, the people in the company here, um, they learn about people-pleasing. They learn about the fact that because he's ambiguous, they all move around people-pleasing him. They understand that the boss people-pleases him. They actually figure out some of their own issues around the people-pleasing, the styles of communication, whole bunch of stuff that's just absolutely fantastic for them to learn about. So the spirit world said to tell him that he's one of these people so far on earth that teaches people through their pain, that teaches people in a negative way instead of going in and being somebody who inspires or somebody who is healthy and provides wonderful leadership. And that because he's intelligent, he thinks he's leadership material. But that leadership material is not simply or only intellect. Um, Also, leadership is not ambiguous. You got it. And it doesn't behave this way. So then then he asks the spirit guides um, where this started. What happened? Like, why am I like this? And I thought that was an absolutely brilliant question for him. Because it shows now that he's moving in a different direction of, I'm just going to continue staying this way. Really? So, may, Well, I think there's a little bit, a little crack. I'm going to call it a crack. <laughs> you good if I say it's a crack? Sure. I'm skeptical. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. I understand. There's good reason to be skeptical, of course, given the whole story, right? He's a finger pointer. Absolutely. I think going, skipping right to the question of why am I like this is brushing over the fact that he needs tools. Okay. But, but let's you're, see where this goes. You're, you're spot on. I can see it from where, where you're at. I think in my head, in the session, my headspace is more with the spirit guides taking every opportunity to, to educate him. 
Well, that's fine because when you're in a channeling yeah. headspace, you're not having your own thought. Yeah, you got it. You're just hearing the next thing that's supposed to come out of your mouth. So I can I can understand why you might have been filled with excitement, given that that was the next message out of your mouth, whether you knew it or not in that moment. But I mean, sitting here as a life coach, that's a shit question. That's that's. I'm going to say not just fair. That's wonderful that you're saying that. That's wonderful that you're saying that so everybody can understand it with emotional intelligence. Cool. Okay, so then the spirit guides show me his childhood, and they say that he was a child who was used as the scapegoat in the family. Mm. And I said, okay, show me. Tell me more about it in case he asks questions. What do you want him to know? They show me that he has older siblings, and that actually he has quite a few um, siblings in the family, and that um, his parents treat his older siblings in a, I'm going to say in a more positive way, in a healthier way than him, but mm, kind of not in the sense that they people please them more. And by the time he comes along, they're looking for a child that's going to take care of them as they age. So they have some fears, it's driven by fear, that they even have him. So there's quite a bit of an age difference between him and his siblings. And um, he feels that. He doesn't ever feel part of the family, partly because of the age, but also the way that his parents treat him versus the older brothers and sisters. They wait on his brothers and sisters. They will cook and clean and provide for them and help them, but they believe he's there in order to help them. So they expect him to do the cooking and the cleaning and everything for them. And he sees such a discrepancy that he wants to avoid being around his parents and his siblings. So his ambiguity begins way back in childhood, in teenage years, young adult life, because he doesn't want to be around them. And so I described all of that to him and he sat and looked at me and he went, I can't tell you how much I needed to hear all of that. To have that, first of all, validated for me that I'm not crazy, that I saw a difference between my siblings retreated and me because they would dismiss that. So I, I thought, am I crazy? And he goes, I don't feel crazy. He goes, you've just described to me what I've lived. Cool. And he says, but you're also helping me understand then that I'm kind of treating my coworkers like my siblings and my boss like my parent. He's in avoidance of them. You got it. It's neat. Like for anyone who can't really connect the dots about why he would end up being ambiguous, because other siblings or other individuals who were in his position might have actually become perfectionistic and over-responsible, right? We can we adopt different ways of surviving. And so he chose um, subconsciously, let's make that very clear, as a kid, I can't be pinned down because if I'm pinned down, then I'm responsible for these these people, right? My my parents. So this may be where he can't answer, do you have plans tonight? Because if I say, yeah, I'll be home by six, great. We want dinner. We want this. We want that done. If he says, oh, yeah, well, you know, I might be, I might not be, we'll see. Then the ambiguity keeps him safe from having to be at the mercy of people who need or want from him. Beautifully said. And that pattern goes right into a boss saying, I need this done for a deadline. Well, you know, we'll see what we can do. Uh, I'll do my best. And it's all ambiguous answers rather than, got it, it'll be on your desk Monday morning. Mm -hmm. You got it. 
So he was able at the end of the session to see how his behavior at work had originated in his childhood. Didn't see it until that session. And then has an opportunity, I'll say, to do some work after that. We didn't get to doing any of the work he needs to do. I believe you. (laughs) Because it took the entire session to be able to explain all of this to him, to get all of the validations through. Because, you know, as you and I are, are, are talking about this, and as I prepare these stories, I have to be able to give the listener the intention and how the session went without saying, and I got validated and this got validated and this got validated every time I say something to him. But during a session, we actually have to do all of that to make sure we're being accurate Mm -hmm. so that we know that the information we are giving is really truthful and helpful. Mm -hmm. So it took a lot longer. This was about a 90-minute session. Mm, Wow. It took quite a long time. Um, because of his behavior all the way through it, in that I had to use validations constantly. And even at that, he would he would ask a question back instead of just giving the validation. And I would have to say to him, you are being ambiguous again. You don't ask a question when I'm offering you a validation and I need a yes or no answer. You can't come back with another question which is what he did. Right. Again, self-protective measure. If I don't answer and give you your validation, then I'm in control of whether or not I tell you I'm happy or dissatisfied with the session. And then there are certain benefits or privileges if I can withhold that from you, um, that I might get more from you, which is exactly how you started this entire podcast. I'm not going to tell you what I want or need because if I sit here in silence, I might get more from you. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. It was a very slow-moving 90 minutes for me. As was this 20-minute podcast for me. (laughs) Is that rude? Is that my one? (laughs) It's so funny. It's, yeah, and you know what, Kelly? I remember preparing this last night for uh, the podcast for today and wondering, because it's not a happy story, wondering, is this going to be a good podcast for people? Are they going to get something out of it? Are they going to listen to it and go, ah, shit, I can be ambiguous. Ah, damn. Um, I have a pattern of of withholding and saying, and, you know, I don't want to be committed to something. I'm like nailing jello to a tree when somebody asks me to do something in my friendship or my with my partner, or every time my in-laws ask me something, or my neighbor or whatever. And then I thought, no, this is a really good podcast. It's a hard one to tell. uh, And maybe it's a really hard one to listen to. It is. And you know what? I'm going to say this, and this has nothing to do with you, Karen. Like It's a boring one to listen to because there's no hook. When you're telling the story, and here's the thing that's not really spelled out, is that this guy... A doesn't know what his problem is. So yep. how, how do we how do we convey that, right? And, and make it interesting. He's also not looking for his problem. <laughs> That's so, right. So when you're telling a story, which is what we do on these podcasts, if we don't know what his problem is and the character isn't interested in going to get his problem, he's actually saying, I don't even know what I'm here for, and I don't think I want to follow any particular um, linear style of a story. Like you said, this is difficult to actually even tell because he's resisting every step of what a story could and should be, right? Technically, when you guys are hearing these, and this is all the business stuff that we're learning, 
When you hear these, the client is the hero. They're the one coming in trying to figure out how to solve or resolve this problem that they have, external, internal, philosophical, whatever it is. We show up and allow them access to these guides or provide them access. And so it becomes this, this really enticing and compelling story, right? Mm -hmm. They get their tools. They get these things that they implement. And then we illustrate this aspirational life that they now have that you could have if you're accessing all these tools. It's a brilliant linear fashion. Mm -hmm. And this guy's sitting here going, Meh, I don't know if I want to be a hero. Mm -hmm. Meh, I don't know if I want a guide. Meh, no thanks. Yeah. In 90 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's why I use the word boring. <laughs> yeah. Right? It's boring to tell the story. It was difficult in the session because of his his pattern of his behavior. Yeah. And it wasn't until we got to the very last half hour um, where, where this part about his childhood came up that I saw changes in his demeanor. Well, because you're, you're peaking an interest. And, and you're peaking an interest over something he actually has no control over, A, because it's the past, and B, because he was a kid. Yeah. He, he was a victim of a certain kind of behavior. That's right. Yeah, and, and, and unaware of what he's doing. With, and as you said, with no current desire to make any kind of a change. Now, there's a threat. And the threat is a loss of a job. See, it's, now that's a compelling story. And if there was a part two, you guys probably would want to stick around for that. No one wants to sit in a movie theater and go, oh, this guy looks like the main character. Yep, definitely they're positioning some kind of problem here. But he's going to take you know, six months to a year to decide if he wants to accept the mission, I'll sit here and wait. Nobody fucking wants that, right? The podcasts move along because this client goes, tell me more, tell me how, right? Mm-hmm. I get it. It's just- I'm not talking to you. <laughs> well, obviously you get it. You put the story together. Yeah. So I want to get to the next little part of the session okay? because we're just coming into like the last five minutes. We might've just sabotaged our own, our own, our podcast, own podcast as well. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So at the very end of the session, Kelly, we talked a little bit about the fact that this was sabotage mm. and that um, it, there's sabotage right from childhood, right? And that in order for him to recognize what he's in currently, and it's come to the point where he's sabotaging his own career, his own finances, his own future, mm -hmm. it could even affect his partnership and his kids, everything when it affects your career, right? And your income, that maybe now, maybe now he sees there's such a risk of loss that he's willing to look at his own behavior. Maybe. Maybe. We still don't know? Well, we do in a sense that he says to me, I hadn't even seen this. Mm. I hadn't seen it in me that I was doing this at work. He says, I knew I was lazy, but I always said that I was smart. So I thought because I was smart that I deserved respect, that I deserved the bonus, that I deserved... Yeah. Oh my God. He this, is fa this is fascinating. This is one of the types on the Enneagram that because they are thinking, they think it's the same thing as doing. But for everyone around them, they're like, you're lazy as fuck, like get going. And yeah. they're like, they think they're five steps further ahead when we're looking at them going, you literally haven't even moved and started. Mm -hmm. But they genuinely believe they're doing. And that's him. That is absolutely him. So there's a, I'll say a quick conversation at the end of this 
where the guide said to him, tell him about the Enneagram so that he oh. can go look at it, so that he can see his own behavior, that he is this person who thinks, because I'm in my mind, I'm busy. Because I'm thinking, I'm busy, I'm valuable. Um, where other people are not going to see the same thing in him, especially his coworkers and his boss. So, and, and when I'm just going to leave it at that 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 point, because they did talk to him a tiny little bit about the fact that he behaves the same way at home and thinks because he's doing something that he's being uh, contributing to his home life, but he's not. So it's a consistent pattern everywhere in his life. You're only useful if you make yourself useful. Yeah. Just because you have the knowledge, but you refuse to do something doesn't mean you're still useful. That's right. That's right. So they, they gave him some tools at the end of the session to go to. Um, they did suggest that he speak to somebody, um, an, a therapist, mm-hmm. to go over what happened in his child childhood yeah. and how this has created a pattern of sabotage, of the ambiguity, of the everything that we're talking about here, so that he gets some tools to be able to move forward. Now, very last thing he said to me was, Karen... He says, I intend to go to, back to work tomorrow, and I intend to speak to my boss and tell him that I know that, or that I suspect, I can't tell him I saw a psychic, that's what he said. He goes, um, that I suspect that I'm going to get fired for my behavior, and I'm going to come clean on what my behavior has been, cool. and that I have not been a team player that I'm not actually following through on my thoughts or when somebody asks me to do something that I'm not being clear, I don't follow through and get it done, I am not reliable. He says, and I realize I still may get fired on the spot. My boss might say, okay, dude, you're fired. Thanks for owning it. Mm -hmm. And he says, I'm going to have to be okay with that because I've earned my firing. Mm. Can I I touch on another point that so far was not brought up? Yes. Yes. This is not actual laziness. And, and this word came up a, cu- a couple times where he went, well, I kind of, you know, I was, knew I was lazy, but I thought I was still useful. Um, the, the idea that this is self-sabotage, the, that the ambiguity stems from this anxiety of, of, like we said, being treated the way he was in childhood, it's not laziness, it's a paralysis, Right? It's an emotional paralysis to be able to move forward to get things done because if I do that, I'm putting myself out there and it's a great risk to do that. I could be humiliated again. I could be rejected again. I could be abused again. Yeah. Right? Which, I mean, those two forms are uh, forms of abuse, but I'm just kind of laying it out there for people. So it's not necessarily that he actually is lazy by nature. It's a it's an emotional paralysis, which That's is right. very important to recognize. Um, I don't know that he would probably actually come out and say that to his boss, because uh, it's not his boss's job to empathize with that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's his therapist's job to say, "Here are some tools." Exactly. I think this session, as hard as it was to get through, Kelly, I think the guides did a phenomenal job to link it back to the childhood, so that he could understand what he was currently doing in his life and how. He was sabotaging everything that he really wanted, everything he thought he deserved, and giving him the right direction to go into. Mm -hmm. This is the kind of client that I hope I get to see again. Oh, my God, yeah. And I I hope that he shows up and says, okay, I'm in therapy. Um, I'm learning this. I'm getting the tools. Um, You know, whether the boss gives him the opportunity and says, go to therapy and stay, we're willing to work with you if you're willing to do some change. 
or whether he has to go to another job or not, therapy is 100% part of his future Mm -hmm. if he wants to be a healthy person. Did he record it? He did. Excellent. Yeah. I I think this, you know what, this is going to be a bold statement. I'm just going to say it anyway. When you guys book an appointment and you show up and you say, don't bother recording it, it says a lot about where you're at. And Perhaps, you know, you don't know what to expect and that's fine and you think it's going to be more entertaining than it is helpful, but it does say a lot about, I don't know if I want to do anything with this information, whatever it might be. Therefore, I'm not going to record it, so I'm not responsible to do anything with it. And I think that's really important to consider when you are booking an appointment with either one of us. Are you of the mindset that I'm not going to record this because I don't want the responsibility Or are you going to sit down and go, I'm going to record it and I'm going to be picky and choosy and start with where I can in order to do the healthiest thing for myself? Mm -hmm. Because I'll tell you, when people say, no, it's okay, you don't need to record, I can tell you exactly how that session's going to go. Mm -hmm. And what they're going to do or not going to do with the tools, the information, the wisdom. How dismissive they're going to be of the messages versus how open they're going to be. Like the answer to recording very indicative. Mm-hmm. Kelly, thank you for adding everything that you did to help people understand him. I know that we have these two very beautiful and separate roles for the podcast. And I just can't imagine telling the stories without you sitting here to help people get the most out of them. Thank you. Because sometimes the actual sessions themselves as we've learned today, are very difficult to hear. Yeah. And you know what? It's interesting. Like, uh, of course, I've been in your shoes telling the story, not obviously to the degree that you do in over the course of this actual show. Um, I know it's difficult for you in your position because you're here to just be the the teller of the facts of what happened in the session, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of potential emotionlessness in the way that you're just saying this is what happened and how it you know un- unfolded. I find this position particularly difficult because part of me wants to have the reaction of the audience so that you guys go, oh, okay, that is that is an appropriate reaction or that is a normal response to what I'm hearing, right? Then it's also my job to pull out the the um, the healthy information from the coaching background and the understanding of the channeling. So some of the reactions can look judgmental, but ultimately it's always my job to circle back to the healthy information and the tools, which hopefully is also also um, conveyed with a lot of empathy, understanding, and for you guys an understanding that there ultimately actually isn't judgment. Mm-hmm. It, it's a really interesting line to walk. Yeah. Um, so I'm very appreciative of the people who say that they're grateful for what this does, including yourself, mm-hmm. uh, because you know there's always this risk of, I might offend someone and they might walk away thinking, wow, she's such a harsh judge Mm -hmm. and then want to stay away. And I can appreciate that fear if you're listening maybe for the first time. Maybe you you weren't here in the beginning or you weren't here Mm -hmm. for the first 300 episodes of the show, right? And this is your first introduction. I get how this can look harsh. I get how this can look um, or create resistance for for first timers. Um, But hopefully the empathy also comes through. Mm -hmm. It does. Thank Thank you. you. (laughs) This is why we have fun together. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thank you for preparing today's show. Uh, We wish a happy Saturday to everyone. And please tune in weekly uh, for Coffee with Sarlos, soon to be rebranded. Thanks for listening to Coffee with the Sarlos. 
If you enjoyed the show today, help spread the love with a like, share, or review of the podcast. See you next Saturday with a brand new episode.